The following is a hoop ball presentation. Well, the Lakers have a brand new series tied up in one game apiece, JC, by some miracle of the basketball gods. The Lakers escape with a victory. Of course, credit is given where credit is due, JC. The Lakers with a much better effort in game two. You love to see it. There's a lot of things we can still sit here and critique, but right now let's focus on the positives and we welcome everybody in to the Hoopball Lakers podcast. JC, a win is a win, right? Yeah, absolutely. Even though this one was ugly at times, um, you know, in the fourth quarter, it was still kind of uh, what you'd expect. LeBron hit a couple of his signature fadeaways. He hit a three that, that put the nail in the coffin. Uh, shots that you expect him to hit that wasn't necessarily hitting the rest of the game. But, yeah, in that moment, I wasn't all that worried. You absolutely love to see it because, as you said, LeBron and in particular Anthony Davis, JC, put this game away down the stretch. It was like they were woken up down the stretch of this game in part because of campaign, absolutely campaigning to be the man who replaces Chris Paul. If Chris Paul has to miss some time for the Suns, we'll get to that a little later in this show, JC. But it seemed like they were waking up or woken up, excuse me, down the stretch and came back to find themselves fueled and toward the finish line to propel a Lakers victory. Yeah, and, you know, the different different parts, uh, different keys to the game, I think, that we'll get into. But even though we didn't see, we didn't see very much of him, we finally saw some Markeith Morris. He helped a lot. Um, yeah, there's just, you know, puzzling things about the box score that, that ended up that they didn't do the first game. So they definitely made adjustments. Well, let's get right into it, JC, because – I'm sitting here, I watched the game with my own eyes, I'm reading the box score with my own eyes, I'm trying to sort of evaluate what I saw versus what's on the stat sheet, and I know Contavious Caldwell-Pope could not hit the broadside of a barn in this game. I mean, even if we gave him a beach ball, he was that far off. We'll get to him in a little bit, but I want to start with Andre Drummond, JC, because Andre Drummond, he played exactly half of this game. He played 24 minutes. And you look at his box score, you say, okay, 15 points, 12 rebounds. He had a couple steals, a block. Pretty decent game for Drummond. He even hit his one and only free throw. That said, even though he was a plus five, JC, I know he basically had a double-double in the first half. But DeAndre Ayton got whatever the hell he wanted all night long. And that goes beyond Andre Drummond himself. But this is my problem with Andre Drummond. This is the reason that he wound up being so available and no team wanted to trade for him in addition to his cumbersome contract, okay, was that basically whatever he gets, he winds up giving up. And I don't understand how somebody can be such a force at times and be so invisible at others on the basketball court. Yeah, watching him play offensively, it, it's sort of the game that you want from him. Like, he... He kind of does what Montrezl Harrell can do to a better extent in that I think he's best when you don't run any plays for him. Like tonight, they didn't run hardly any plays. And all I've seen out of Drummond the last couple of weeks, every time Schroeder tries to run and pick and roll with him, is that when Schroeder passes him the ball, all Andre does is turn it over. And so tonight, 
I don't think there was a single play called for him. The 15 points that he got, he got from from exerting his own effort to get some offensive rebounds, and that's really all you want out of him offensively is uh, whatever points he gives you to be icing on the cake when he gets them from effort, not from you calling his number. But, yeah, it would be a little a little frustrating when he would get an offensive rebound and a putback, and then the other end of the court, on Aiton would just either get fouled or get an and one and sort of seem to, to wash his production away. I mean, DeAndre Aiton, JC, in 42 minutes, he was 11 of 13 from the field, and I swear 10 of those must have been dunks. Finished with 22 and 10, Aiton did, and the reality is, you know, he, he was actually a minus five while Drummond was a plus five. I just feel like, and again, this goes beyond Drummond himself, but in particular from Drummond, I need more rim protection and just better defense in the paint. The Suns are a team that will attack the paint if you give them every opportunity to do so. We saw it from campaign all night long. We saw it from Devin Booker at times. DeAndre Ayton obviously lives down there. So for me, I think that should be a point of priority for the Lakers moving forward. And as you alluded to already, JC, we saw a very different rotation from from Frank Vogel and the Lakers tonight. And I'm so glad that you brought up, you know, we're, we're talking about the center position here early going. Mark Gasol in this game, 20 minutes. Dust, dusting off Mark Gasol for 20 minutes in this game, hit a couple of threes, was a, a presence out there that the Lakers do not have when he does not play. That meant Montrez Harrell was squeezed from the rotation tonight, although he was really engaged on the sidelines, and I really enjoyed seeing that. I guess my question to you, JC, is this. is I think Trez deserves to play. I'm not sure exactly how to fit him in, and that's in part the reason why I'm not an NBA head coach and I choose to do what I do instead. That said... I don't think Marcus Saul should be sitting on the bench. I've been very vocal, and after game one, I was even on Twitter about this saying, look, Marcus Saul needs to play. But I thought that might mean less Drummond and more of a Gasol-Trez combo than a Drummond-Gasol combo. Do you think we'll see the Drummond-Gasol combo continue? Because it certainly seems like that's that's the direction we're headed in. Probably. I mean, I, I do think that with, with the way Drummond played tonight, he, he certainly you know, earned himself more minutes and Gasol put in quality minutes tonight and, you know, the 20 minutes that he played. But yeah, I, I do agree with you. I do feel, I mean, I know Montrezl Harrell's skill set is fairly limited and you can't really exactly have him be a four next to whether it be Gasol or Drummond. Like you, you basically be, be putting on a big lineup of which two players offensively are kind of, you know, are not there. So, yeah, it, it is kind of hard to fit Montrez in, but I feel like he got to. I feel like he played really good in, in, in game one, and, yeah, he, he plays with a ton of effort, and you've got, a way to, you've got to find a way to fit him in there, if not for, you know, six, eight minutes. Like, I feel like you've got to. I, that's, that's a great way to say it, and, look, that's a problem for the coaching staff to figure out. There were definitely some different combinations that we hadn't necessarily seen in a while that Frank Vogel chose to go with in this one. I'd like to find a spot for Montrez Harrell, and and I wonder, you know, and this this would be weird because I think Markeith Morris deserves to play more than four minutes, and it was nice to see him back in the rotation, albeit just for four minutes. It was nice to see that because I think he's a player who can help the Lakers in particular in this series. That said, JC, Kyle Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma was freaking invisible, man. 
He did absolutely nothing positive for the Lakers in this game. It did not even feel like he was on the basketball court. Everything he did in his 20 minutes of action felt so incredibly casual to me, and I was so disappointed to see him out there producing at that level. Am I being too hard on Kuzma, or are you kind of watching the game tonight feeling the same way and wondering where is the Kyle Kuzma who adapted to so so well to being that jack-of-all-trades that this Lakers team needs from him? No, I mean, it, it's definitely fair criticism um, because, you know, some people game up for the playoffs and some people don't. And so we, so far this year, haven't really seen it out of Kyle Kuzma. Um, when I talked about some of the things to look for in this game, I always play the game of what what's likely to happen, what's not going to happen in game two. I didn't think that Kyle Kuzma would, would go, you know, over in, in this game. I thought he'd put out a much better effort, and he did play better because he made one more bucket, but he still finished with just two points. And, yeah, in 20 minutes, he didn't seem to do a whole lot. And if – basically, if you're going to get a whole lot out of 20 – if you're not going to get a whole lot out of 20 minutes out of Kyle Kuzma, you might as well throw those minutes to Montrez Harrell. Or Ben McLemore or yeah. Alfonso McKinney or Jared Dudley even for a few minutes or however you got to do it. But the reality is Kuzma has to be better. And a lot of this Lakers team, it felt like J.C. was kind of half dead in this game. They were they were kind of sleepwalking a little bit. I, I was not impressed with what I saw from Alex Caruso tonight. Taylor Horton Tucker only played six minutes and it was probably six minutes too many. Right now, it looks like the spotlight is bigger than what he's ready for, and perhaps that's because the spotlight has gotten a little bit brighter on him as the season has progressed. It would not surprise me to see Wes Matthews play more minutes, especially if Kyle Kuzma continues to struggle. But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Ben McLemore either. Vogel definitely wants to experiment, or at least felt like he had to experiment in this particular game to create better matchups against the Suns. But given how this game went and the Lakers basically leading from start to finish, although I know it got a little choppy in the fourth quarter there, I think Vogel will try to mirror what he did tonight as close as possible while tweaking the rotations, maybe in the finer ends, in particular seventh, eighth guy off the bench, coming into Thursday's home playoff game where the Lakers come back with a 1-1 series in front of their home fans at the Staples Center. I think that will really sort of get them going. And speaking of getting going, JC, we were very critical, as was the rest of the world, about Anthony Davis because he was MIA like Nick Saban. He did not show up. He was Casper, and it was not a friendly ghost, JC. Nobody wanted to see it. And AD owned it after the game, and he said, I have to be better. I'm the reason we lost this game. Well, JC, he was better tonight. He was a whole lot better. 34 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 blocks, 18 of 21 from the free throw line. By far and away, the best performance from the free throw line from Anthony Davis all season. And even hit a couple of threes. Now, I will say, JC, that this game was absolutely terribly officiated, in my opinion. It was so choppy. The fouls were heavy early. Then they started letting things go. Nothing seemed consistent. But Anthony Davis was doing the work down low. The Lakers made a point to try to get him going early, and clearly it worked. Yeah, the the officiating was definitely weird in that first, uh, even in that first game, like, 
the things that they let go and the ticky tack things that they do call on both sides, not just not just you know favoring the Suns. Um, it's it's inconsistent for both sides, which is just equally equally frustrating. But yeah, Anthony Davis does need to be that kind of aggressive to to for him to go to the line twenty one times tonight. That's what that's basically what they need out of him. Because nobody else is going to be that aggressive to go to the line that many times other than Dennis Schroeder tonight went six for six. Yeah, that's basically what we need out of Anthony Davis. And I think and I think the reality is, is that Anthony Davis, the reality is, JC, I feel like Anthony Davis knows he's going to step up, right? We know that Anthony Davis is a primetime player. The question has been about his health this season. It has not been about so much about his ability as it has been about his health. But in this particular game, he looked healthy. He looked willing. He was doing the work. He showed signs of life that we have not seen from him really all season. Again, two of four from the three-point line, 18 of 21 from the free-throw line. For Anthony Davis by himself. The Lakers only took 31 free throws in this game. They made 27 of them. Another huge reason why the Lakers won this particular game, especially as they continue to struggle from the three-point line. JC, Anthony Davis, as you said, has to be this kind of player if the Lakers are going to move forward with any level of sustainable success. Yeah, and there were a couple of moments in that fourth quarter where he would still pull up for mid-range jumpers that that he missed, and it was when the game was really close. And then luckily, he had that block on on uh, DeAndre Ayton, and then uh, I believe he made one more play after that in the final three minutes that sort of washed away that one mid-range jumper he took around the four or five minute mark, which frustrated me. But yeah, other than that, yeah, he needs to remain that kind of aggressive. Forty big minutes for Anthony Davis in this one. 39 from King LeBron, LeBron James, 23 points, four rebounds, nine assists, couple of steals, JC, four threes from LeBron, nine of 16 overall from the field, a plus 14. It looks good on paper, but I'm curious, how did you feel LeBron played in this game? What what were your observations? It, it seems as though, and this is sort of something I've, I've I've seen him talk about in interviews or seen other people point out as well, in that, especially in the playoffs, he, he does kind of, in the first quarter, sort of, you'll notice him sometimes so, sort of not move around a lot, and it's just the four Lakers move, moving around and moving around with the ball, and he's just sort of observing, and he's sort of figuring out what to do as the game goes on. And so... What I noticed tonight, Schroeder ended up playing a really great game because he had a great first half, and LeBron had a really good second half. And that's sort of going to be the blueprint, I think. You're going to see LeBron kind of pace himself a little bit in the first quarter as these playoffs go on, as he gets in in better rhythm, as he gets more acclimated to playing with with Andre Drummond. And so, yeah, I think you're going to see quiet-ish first halves out of LeBron. And that only makes it easier for him to do what he did in the fourth quarter tonight, which is hit those signature fadeaways, hit a coffin nailing three. That's that's what you, you want to see out of him in the second half. It's what you want to see out of LeBron at any time, really, or you know, any great player like that. But I think what worries me, because I'm a worrier by nature, JC, always trying to make sure being proactive in the process, what worries me or concerns me is that the Lakers feel like they are reliant on 
on those heroics right now. And while it's great to have LeBron in your back pocket and there may still no be no better weapon in the NBA than having that, it just feels like a little bit more of a dicey proposition at this point, especially in a season where we've sat here and celebrated the Lakers' depth. Now, it's not going to matter who's on the court for how long or what they're doing if, as a whole, the Lakers can't shoot the basketball. Okay, 45% overall in this game, which is fine enough, but again, only 30% from behind the three-point line, 30.3, 10 of 33 overall. The Lakers did do a good job defensively with Phoenix, limiting them to only eight made three-pointers, eight of 26 for Phoenix. But the Lakers are going to have to make more of those outside shots. And right now with KCP, just his shot has gone missing. And if that's going to be the case, JC, whether it's Wes Matthews, whether it's Ben McLemore, or whether it's a combination of other guys, they're going to have to play those guys who are hitting the shots from the outside. And I hope Alex Caruso can be one of them because the Lakers offense, which I want to talk about after the three-point shooting, I've got some things to say about it. Yeah, I think you know, I think KCP and Wesley Matthews, those are going to be the two guys who anything they produce offensively is just going to be icing on the cake. So you like the production you got out of the other four starters. Ideally, you definitely would want to see more bench points whether it be from you know kuzma or harrell or in this case tonight the leading score off the bench was gasol with only six but yeah the three-point shooting i'm not too worried about with kcp it didn't happen tonight but i do feel like he's going to have a breakout game at some point breakout game for him meaning you know hitting three threes or something like that uh not necessarily an astronomical game but yeah anything he he hits like i said is going to be icing on the cake so what you're looking for is more production out of like Kyle Kuzma and, you know, Alice Caruso. Lakers are going to need those guys. Markeith Morris, I put his name in the mix in there too. They're going to need those guys to hit from the perimeter. That's going to be so important. And while we get to the Lakers offense, I want to just circle back to LeBron for a second because watching him, it was very interesting, JC. There were, felt like there were times where he wanted to go to the basket, and he kind of stopped himself from doing so. I don't know if it's about the ankle. I don't know if it's about father time. I don't know if it's about a combination of both. Or he's just trying to preserve himself to the best of his ability at this point, given the longevity of his career, given the short turnaround of this particular season after last. I don't know, but it is not the same old LeBron. The outcomes may be the same at times, but it's certainly not the same old LeBron. It is the new old LeBron, or I should say new older LeBron. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the guy, but that's definitely something that I'm noticing and I'm watching closely as the Lakers continue to move forward in the postseason. If they're going to continue to move forward in the postseason, JC, the offense has to be better. I mean, there were times where the ball looked like nobody wanted to shoot it. There was a 24-second violation where Lakers made so many passes because nobody wanted to shoot the damn ball. It was like it was, you know, monkey in the middle or something like that, and everybody just wanted to take turns chasing it. That said, I just I'm, – I'm so sort of aghast as to why the Lakers' offense has seemed so broken, especially when LeBron James isn't on the floor. I think they've got to consider staggering Schroeder and LeBron a lot more than they currently have because that second unit, even with Caruso and or THT out there, it has not been a good construct to create good offense for the Lakers, JC. Yeah, and that's where I think Montrez Harrell comes into play because he's played really well with Schroeder throughout the season. And so if you're going to stagger Schroeder with that second unit, 
uh, a second unit of Schroeder with like Kyle Kuzma, Gasol, uh, Caruso. There's just nobody for Schroeder to really mesh with there. Like, who's he going to run a pick and roll with? Nobody really. Harold's the only only option that he off the bench that he's run pick and rolls with really successfully all season. And to me, it's just like regardless of the personnel that's in there, whether it's the first five or the bench five, so to speak, why are they just not running pick and rolls by default if nothing else is going to work for them? You've got Schroeder and AD to start the game. You could do it with Schroeder and Drummond, although Drummond is far far less uh, far less desirable than Anthony Davis in that spot. Do it with LeBron and Anthony Davis, with LeBron and Schroeder. There are so many different possible combinations for this, and yet it feels like at times it's just everybody. It's it's almost reminiscent of of when the Kobe was playing with the Lakers' young bucks, and anytime he touched the ball, they just became like statues out there, as if they were seated at courtside as members of the audience. JC, like just staring in awe. Lakers have to be more cohesive at that end of the court. I mean, the defense has continued to be impressive. That's something that they've hung their hat on all season, but the offense is going to have to be better. Yeah, I've had that same question, too, about the pick and rolls. Like, there was one moment tonight where LeBron was at the top of the key and Anthony Davis was about to look like he was about to set a screen for a pick and roll, then at the last minute decided to drop down to the block. And, and I think LeBron, I can't remember if LeBron passed it to him or not, but he did pass up that pick and roll. And I was like, why didn't you do it then? And they didn't. And I I don't think the result was a basket. Very, very strange. And a guy who can certainly help us. We've identified is the one and only Dennis Schroeder, huge game for Dennis Schroeder in terms of scoring the basketball, a big reason why the Lakers won this particular contest, JC plus 16 and 34 minutes for Mr. Schroeder, 24 points overall. If he's going to score the basketball like that, especially with only one turnover, I don't mind him only having three assists. That's A-OK with me. But the Lakers are going to need this version of Dennis Schroeder to show up every single night with how this team is built. Yeah, he's had a couple of great moments. He took he can take Devin Booker off the dribble for a layup. He can take Chris Paul off the dribble for a layup. And, you know, the, the bigger guys like Cameron Payne and uh, Bridges maybe, have, have he might have a hard time dribbling against them but yeah for the most part he can take any of these sons off the dribble can i just say the fact that anthony davis got called for a flagrant foul for a quote-unquote accidental crotch tip kick against jay crowder while anthony davis getting bear hugged no play on the ball whatsoever by campaign just trying to take him out goes for a common foul is a great example of the incongruent officiating that i observed with my own two eyes this evening that said, JC, the Lakers found a way to persevere. They found ways not to create excuses. They found ways to win this basketball game, and that was the most important outcome, especially in preparation for returning to Staples Center. You look at their opposition going forward, JC. DeAndre Ayton, as we talked about, is a problem. The Lakers do not seem to have the clearest answer for him yet. It is going to have to be a tag team effort to slow him down. I don't mind if DeAndre Ayton gets his JC. What I mind is the ease in which he's getting his. And I want him to work for it a little bit more. I don't think that's too much to ask from the Lakers. But the bigger storyline here is from the Phoenix perspective, Chris Paul must be hurt, man. 
I mean, we know that that shoulder is not just a contusion. He came out with all the kinesio tape in the world wrapped around it. He only played 23 minutes in this game, JC. Campaign played 33 minutes. Now, Campaign was nothing short of phenomenal for the Suns prior to fouling out with finishing with six personals in this one. Okay, 19.7 assists for Campaign. But Chris Paul, six points, five assists, only 23 minutes. The Suns are going to be in a much tougher spot if Chris Paul is not available. We know he's not going to be at 100%. Yeah, that shoulder thing, it's definitely weird. Like I'm I'm from Texas, Austin, Texas, and I remember when the Longhorns were in the national championship against Alabama and Colt McCoy was the quarterback and he went down with they couldn't tell if it was a dislocated shoulder or maybe a broken collarbone the way he was reacting to it. I had that same thought with, with Chris Paul and, you know, Colt McCoy ended up not being able to come back into the game because his arm, they said was a literal noodle. He couldn't throw the ball more than three yards and Chris Paul came back and he's, he's losing dribbles. He's not able to shoot floaters. He can, he can pull up straight up and down for a regular jump shot, but I guess the shoulder torsion you need to make to shoot a floater he just can't do it because he he hasn't been able to and so yeah he's definitely not 100 percent, and that's going to be an issue for the suns um and so the lakers really need to focus on trying to yeah you can let deandre Ayton get his he's gone 10 for 11 in the first game shot 11 for 13 tonight he's what he's going to get what he wants and he's not going to miss very much you've just got to find a way to contain Devin Booker, who's gone for 30 points in both of these games. So if you can control Devin Booker, let DeAndre Ayton get what he gets. Um, Cameron Payne is probably not going to have a 19-point night again in the series. And so if you can just contain Booker a little bit more, yeah, you should have a solid game plan for this series. The Lakers, even though Devin Booker had 31 points in this game, J.C., I actually feel the Lakers did a pretty decent job on him overall. Got a couple of those ridiculous three-point uh, foul opportunities down the stretch of this one with the game already decided and out of hand. He's so Booker wound, Book, <laughs> yeah, Booker wound up with 17 of 17 from the foul line, okay? So a li- little inflated there. But overall, just 7 of 17 from the field for Devin Booker and actually did not hit a three in this game. So I feel like the Lakers did a much better job on him not so much on Aiton, but those are the only two guys in particular where I would highlight as members of the starting five, unless campaign finds himself in that starting five, that the Lakers need to be seriously concerned about from the offensive perspective. If Bridges goes off and he's certainly capable of it, then it's conceivable that the Lakers have a bigger problem on their hands. But look, the Lakers have done a pretty good job overall defensively. I am not concerned with the defense moving forward. That's an effort question, and we know Lakers can have it. What I am concerned about, JC, is the offense. And that's going to be a similar concern for the Suns if Chris Paul is not going to be available. That's a huge psychological swing that could put the Lakers back in control of this series. And I feel that if the Lakers win game three at home at Staples Center on Thursday, JC, they will go on to win the series, and I think it will be wrapped up in short order thereafter if the suns are able to snag one it will be a longer series ultimately i still think the lakers are going to come out victorious in this one but it just goes to show you it's going to be a much tougher road ahead for this club this year than it seemed like it was last year because the western conference is no joke the lakers are playing on some heavy legs not to make excuses but everybody's coming for you when you win the title in the previous season 
Oh, yeah, for sure. They definitely can't rest on anything tonight because there's much, much work to be done. Incredible amount of work to be done as the Lakers move forward. One-to-one in this series, which is the most important piece. So we're back to square one on the Hoopball Lakers podcast. We're going to have a fresh episode for you after every game in this series because it's crunch time, baby. And no matter what else is going on in the world, we got to deliver for the listeners. He's JC. Find him on Twitter at JCDeLeon1. Um, Ethan, you find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff. Follow our show at Hoopball Lakers. And until next time, we out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.